Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to the Matrixic Discussion Group call here at Tactical Sovereignty this beautiful Sunday, the first day of the week. Not the seventh day, not the Sabbath, just an FYI there. But this call is being turned over to Samantha this evening from Against the Grain Radio. And from there, Samantha, how are we doing? We are doing absolutely wonderful. No complaints. There's a lot of snow out here right now, so on one hand it's nice, but on the other hand it's a real pain in the butt. So, it is. That's one, that's one thing I don't miss at all is the snow, for sure. Yeah, it's like, if it, wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if it would pile up slowly. If you do it slowly, then it's like, okay, this, this is manageable, but when you get like a foot and a half in one fell swoop, and then it just continues, and it's like, okay, can you just not? Just not. Yeah, I remember living in northern Michigan, and uh, one winter, it was a bad winter, what was it, 72, 74, something like that. My dad actually had to crawl out one of the windows of the house so he could um, unbury the front door. (laughs) We couldn't get in or out because we got one of those big snowfalls, and they kind of trapped everybody in the house. Oh, wow, that's... That's a lot of freaking snow, man. That's a lot of snow. My dad used to tell me stories how, like, the snow would go, like, halfway up the barn, and when the barn's, like, two and a half stories tall, it's like, that's a lot of snow. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember as a kid, you liked to go sledding, right? So we'd go out on uh, the roof, and you could actually slide down the roof onto a snowbank and just keep on going. You had your own kind of pre-made mountain. Wow. Wow, that is awesome. What happened? You don't get that kind of snow anymore. But then again, that might be a good thing if you're not into snow. So, that's that's awesome. So, hi, everybody. So, this is Sam, host of Against the Grain, uh, hosted through freedomizerradio.com um, for freedomizers, freedomizing freedomists, all that fun stuff. Um, today... Brian has so kindly let me hijack his show because I cannot get him on a show on a Wednesday evening. You can guys can tune into my show uh, Wednesday evenings at 4.30 uh, PST, 7.30 EST. So we are going to do a little diddly on his show, and then I will be taking this recording and uh, putting it on. Uh, this This recording will be played on February 14th. So anybody who is going to be listening on February 14th, I am not going to be there because, or here, or I'm going to try and talk in like the now type of person because I will be off having fun for my birthday. So we are going to be interviewing Mr. Brian Parker today. So hi, Brian. How are you doing? I like to... 
my show is featuring alternative individuals. So Brian is uh, very alternative, and I quite love to hear what he has to say and the things he has to research. So I thought he would be a perfect candidate um, for January uh, tacticals, like, uh, well, January Sovereignty Month, but unfortunately I couldn't get him on for January um, just due to him not being on Wednesday. So, Brian, the biggest question that I have for everybody that comes on my show, the one that I like to hear the most, is uh, what's your story? How How did you... What was happening in your life that you were doing your thing, yada, yada, and, like, what was the turning point where it was just like, you know, like, this isn't right. i got to start researching. Or something is just, it kind of clicks, that aha moment. What what was the before, the during, and the after? Like, where was it just like, okay, boom, there it is? Uh, well, for me, I, I'll tell you, I think I had it actually kind of easy compared to a lot of people. I mean, I run into a, a lot of people who, I mean, uh, they were thrown out of their house, things got foreclosed on, so, they, you know, they started uh, researching things online to see what was really happening, see what kind of rights they had or thought they had, that kind of stuff. Or, you know, they get thrown in jail for something and they've, they've got to figure their way out of the problem. I really didn't have anything facing me like that. Uh, what really happened with me, just kind of interesting, is that um, when I was young, gosh, I would say I was probably about six years old at the time. Um, I remember my aunt talking to somebody, and she said the words, um, capitalist and amusia maxima. All right? Now, for a six-year-old to hear those words, those Latin words, capitalist and amusia maxima, and remember it, all the way uh, into their 30s to have it pop back in their head again. Uh, to me, it was kind of cool. But, you know, I, I kind of knew growing up all along that something just smelled rotten in Denmark. You know what I mean? And my father, for some reason, I don't know if he wanted to just keep me busy or what, but uh, he built two of the homes that we lived in, and it seemed like he always loved having a huge yard and guess who got to mow that huge yard? I did. Well, you know, we had a riding lawnmower, which did make things simpler. Unfortunately, he made me keep, thing, keep the riding lawnmower in first gear. I couldn't even put it in a faster gear. So here I am mowing the lawn, watching ants pass me. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. It's take all day. And like I said, maybe that was part of the object, too, is... You know, just to keep me busy for a day, I certainly did that. But that also gave me a lot of time to think. And, you know, I, I would think about, you know, my parents working, uh, paying their bills, uh, other people that I knew and what their life was like and the things that they had to do to maintain their family. Uh, you know, and there, because there's people out there working two, three, sometimes four jobs, you know, and they really never get ahead but just enough is taken care of for them to have a stable life or at least for their family to have a stable life, which is, you know, an utmost importance to all of us. But, you know, in, in looking at all that, I would think, you know, this can't be the way things were arranged. 
This cannot be the intent of the creator. You know, how was I dropped here and told that, you know, at this age you're going to do this, at this age you're going to do that, you're in college, you get married, uh, you go work a job, you work until you're retired in your 60s or whenever Congress decides it's okay for their subjects to retire. And then after that, you know, hopefully your health and everything is still well enough and your bank account is okay enough that uh, you'll at least live for another 10, 15, however many more years and be able to enjoy the creation that we were put here for. And to me, that just didn't make sense. It didn't make any kind of sense at all. Because why would you be put somewhere to work on a slave farm your whole life and then you only really get to fully enjoy it um, during, like, your golden years. You know, why can't you enjoy it fully in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, whatever the case may be? And so, you know, as I was getting older and, you know, you start thinking about, eh, maybe I should be, be preparing for retirement and that kind of stuff, it was at that time that those words, capitalist and Amusia and Maxima, pop back in my head that my aunt had said to me. Um, this is my aunt Shelby. She just passed away here, gosh, a few months ago. And she was a very interesting character. And that, that might have been one of the reasons why I always remembered those words. So I sat down one day on the computer and Googled those words. And, you know, I, I really don't have to go into it. I think a lot of people really know what that's about. Um, a capitalist diminution maxima is about the maximum loss of rights. Okay, but along with that, you find that there's uh, capitalist diminution media and minima. So you can have a very minimal loss of rights, or you can have a medium loss of rights, or a total loss of rights, which is really what places you in, say, that corporate position, that all-capital position, which is what capitalist diminution maximum means. It's the all-capital letters. And um, people are like, oh, well, wait, you know, it was ruled that corporations have rights. Corporations are a person just like everybody else, da, da, da. It's like, okay. No, they don't have rights. Uh, what, the, what, they are, what they have has been given to them supposedly by another governing system, by another corporation, by their government, okay? So those really aren't rights at all. Those are privileges because they were given to you by a fictional entity. And anything that is given to you, anything that's a privilege can also be taken away as well. Well, a real right isn't given to you by a fictional entity, and it can't be taken away from you by a fictional entity. And so anyway, starting to research that kind of thing is really what started leading me into, as we all know, a, a thousand different rabbit trails or rabbit holes, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I'm very thankful for that because uh, there's a lot of people in my group in Tactical Sovereignty that, you know, they tell me their story or they come to me when they're first really waking up to the reality that everybody has been placed in. And I have to say, you know, you always hear people talk about, you know, wake up or are you awake? People aren't awake. Da, da, da. Well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are aware. They're aware of what's going on. They're aware of things. 
but they are not fully awake. There's a big difference between the two. And, you know, some of the people that I, I talk to, like I said, you know, why I feel fortunate that I kind of really knew it at a young age and watched it and observed it, kind of trying to stand back in maybe like a third-person type of situation. That, you know, it didn't hit me all at one time. There's people I've talked to that, hey, hit them all at once. Um, you know, I've had people tell me, they're like, you know, uh, my wife is having fainting spells. I'm having chest pains. We just can't believe this shit. <laughs> and I totally can comprehend that. You know, I, I can see how it would be a huge wake-up call. Uh, I was thinking the other day I was driving home from work or traveling home from work, whatever. You know, people like to freak out over the drive board. But you know, I was on my way home from work, and I, I was thinking about somebody, say, they're sitting in their bathroom doing their thing that they do when they sit in the bathroom. And imagine sitting there and, you know, you've got your reader's digest out, whatever. And all of a sudden you hear this noise and you look up and the wall in front of you starts to ripple and it starts to pull back like a curtain and here this big curtain pulls back and you see this audience out in front of you. And you're on the stage. You're on the stage, sitting on the commode, you know. And I think that's what a lot of people feel like when they wake up to this reality is they see, oh, my God, we are just a piece on a game board. That's it, and that's all. And that piece on the game board has no rights. It only has those privileges. And those rights and privileges are things that are directed by whoever's hand is on that game piece. And so, yeah, I mean, that can be a huge shock to people. And I'm just very fortunate that I didn't end up in that situation, you know, where, boom, everything got revealed at once. The curtain was pulled back and, you know, I was placed in that position of, you know, shock and awe, you know. So I actually just went from those words and just started researching things from there and uh, really learned about, what is in charge, uh, what is running things. And I'll tell you what, yeah, even the past several weeks, uh, my eyes have been opened up to a lot other things other than just the fact that we've got a corporation no different than Walmart or Target or Kmart or whoever uh, who's listed on the stock exchange, you know, right there, right next to Walmart or the United States, you know. Um, I've really been having my eyes open that it's even bigger than that. So I'm not really going to get into those details, but I'll tell you, there is a lot of info that is starting to come out now from the spiritual side of things. Because what I've really observed is that what the state is doing, what the courts are doing, they're all mimicking uh, spiritual principles. The maxim of law, the maxims of law are, or the maximum of equity, those are all mimicking spiritual realities. And so, you know, when I, and also, yeah, I'd like to say, when I first really started researching this stuff and started meeting other people that were looking at it as well, I really expected to find a bunch of um, gun-crazed, angry, atheist people. Yeah. And what I found was just the opposite. I found a lot of people that were very peaceful. They were very loving. 
and they weren't anti-religion or spirituality. They might be anti-religion. That's fine with me. I'm anti-religion. Religion is a man-made construct. That is not what our creators wanted us to be following. And so being more spiritually minded and starting to see things from that aspect and see how many other people that were researching these same things really were looking at it from a spiritual perspective. And, you know, if you don't look at it from a spiritual perspective, you're not going to figure it out. That's one of the big keys right there is looking at it from that direction. Because, you know, I went to a... I don't know if you'll call it a private school, Christian school, whatever, my whole life. I never spent one minute in a public school. And that was purposely done by my parents, who had both worked in public schools, and they said, yeah, our kids aren't going to go here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so what really blew my mind is that once I really started looking at some of the legal aspects of things and the legal principles the big eye-opener to me, if I did have an aha moment, was that, wow, now the scriptures make so much more sense to me. Now I know what that guy named Yeshua, whoever walking around trying to teach people and educate them on things, was really talking about. This now totally makes sense. And it really surprised me that learning the legal stuff really brought scripture alive for me. And it all started to make some more sense. And uh, That's really interesting. That's really interesting. It's like when I was back, and I'm just going to hijack your story for a second, so don't lose it. But when I was back in high school, or not high school, uh, university, I found that quite interesting. I listened to TheMeetingHouse.com, a church for people who aren't in a church. They're uh, an Anabaptist group. And uh, I found it quite interesting because the pastor wrote a book on Jesus and how he was a revolutionary for his time and how he just, like, broke the rules in love and, like, all this crazy stuff. And I remember sitting there, like, looking at, you know, the laws and the legislation and listening to stuff like um, just, like, legal stuff and, like, you know, maritime law and all that fun stuff. And then I was listening to Meeting House podcasts at the same time and it's like it was so in line. It's like, and like the pastor, he, I tried talking to him about it, and he doesn't, he probably thought I was flipping crazy that I was messaging him this stuff. I'm like, bro, what you're saying is like so like further than what it actually is. But I I found it like so interesting that like when, when I was listening to that stuff and it was just like so in line, I damn near went sovereign when I was in university, but I had to talk myself off the edge to finish university because I think my family would have disowned me if I would have been like, no, I'm cashing everything in now. So I waited till like, you know, four years later, but <laughs> so sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's it's absolutely true. And, you know, when you're talking, one of the things I was thinking of is, you know, in this, I don't know if it's a truth movement or whatever you want to call it, but one of the main things that everybody's running around looking for, they're looking for remedy, 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 remedy. Well, where do you think the word remedy came from? It's redemption. Where does that word redemption come from, you know? And you brought up um, the admiralty jurisdiction of maritime law. 
That's exactly where this was all developed at. It came right there. I mean, you've got three steps when it comes to that, actually, and people don't talk about the third step. Myself, I prefer the third step. The first step is salvage. The second step is remedy. But that third step is cure. Well, I really don't care about that remedy thing too much. I'm more after the cure. That's what I'm looking for. If that makes sense to you. Yeah, that makes uh this this is this is really, really interesting stuff. So get it get it done. Cut it off at the knees where it grows. Well and you know, I guess one of the things when I, when I started looking at stuff and researching and reading and watching stupid YouTubes and stuff is, I was like, you know, people are doing this and you got to file this paperwork and that paperwork and do this and that and this time and that time and uh, put your red thumbprint on there so the CIA can build a database. Hey, there's a good idea. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought, you know, it's got to be a little bit simpler than this. So what have the big guys done? What steps were taken at those levels? So let's even take a look at how the United States of America was developed. How did the United States of America come about? Um, I think one of the founding documents was called a declaration. And what does that do? The declaration was set forth to say, here, these are the problems at that time. It was, hey, here's the problems we have with the king, <laughs> you know. Uh, you're an asshole. We don't want anything to do with you anymore, buddy. <laughs> and, Here you, buddy. Yeah, and we're moving forward with our own thing, you know. Well, how many people have done that? You know, everybody complains because the system is running totally under presumption, okay, and assumption, and uh, we know what that word assumption means. So, but what else do they have to go off of? Have you given uh, the state, whoever, anybody, anything that defines who or what you are, who and what you serve, and where what your standing is? Uh, I was pulled over a couple of weeks ago, and the officers, you know, weren't just going through my car looking for like a bud laying around or something like that or a pill or whatever they look for. Um, they were opening up folders and opening up books that were in the folders and reading through the books <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, one officer says to me, she's like, well, what's this here? And I said, that's a declaration. And she says, what's it for? And I said, it defines who and what I am. I said, how is anybody supposed to know unless you tell them? Otherwise, they're just going to guess. That's what the state has done all this time with everybody. They just guess that you're one of theirs. Okay, well, you know, you haven't made up your mind where you're going to follow or whatever, so we're just going to pull you into our fold, and we're going to profit off from your energy and your labor for the rest of your life and uh, use that as a surety for the national debt that way we can be financed, and thank you very much for staying mute, you know. And I, I looked at the officer and I said, you know, other than you wearing a badge and a hat, you know, if you weren't wearing those things, how would anyone know who you are, what you stand for, and what you're about? I said, 
have you put anything on the record, you know, to give the public a notice? And up to that time, the officer's eyes had been, like, crossed. And all of a sudden, her eyes, like, opened up and got big. And I could tell she was thinking, wow, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and that's really where I stand. You know, I, I really think that how else is the system supposed to run under anything other than assumption and presumption unless you put your foot down? Unless you give your declaration and state who and what you are. You know, that that's one of the things that everybody breaks their children of when they're really young. Because children know that word mine. You know what I mean? And they know that word no. But society has taught us to break our children of that. Oh, no. That mine, you get rid of that mine word, you get rid of that no word, you know. And we see that on and on in more and more things uh, in life. I I noticed the past few years, even a lot of the uh, public schools, I was seeing people with bumper stickers that said, my child is a global citizen. And I'm thinking, huh? What does that mean? You know? Well, if you're a citizen of the globe, who owns the globe? (laughs) So that's where I stand is that, you know, the first thing that we really need to do to be heading in the right direction is you need to put your declaration out there. You need to put your public notice out there. If you go to my Facebook page, the first thing you're going to see under my name is a link for my declaration. I mean, that's about as much public as as you can really get in an easy way other than somebody going and asking to pull something up in the court courts. I don't think I've ever seen that under your name before. Yep. Oh, there it is. Huh. Wow. Boom. Right freaking there. I have never, I'm going to have to read that after we get off this because I don't want to be sitting here reading this while uh, we're talking. But that's a, that's actually really awesome. And I've seen that like, like you opened the Technical Sovereignty Facebook group. I remember joining like when it was only at like a couple hundred members and it's grown quite large since then. I pop up and every once in a while it's like 500 members more. I've sent quite a lot of people to that group your way to just kind of tell people to follow along with uh, what you've done with uh, status correction and that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it really blew me away. When When I started that group, yeah. I, and I still am not that computer savvy and all that kind of stuff as far as creating files and sticking them away. And, you know, when I start out and just using a, your cell phone, you know, how much can you do as far as doing files and things? But I found that I could open a Facebook group, and if I wanted to share something, well, boom, Facebook popped right up. Oh, I could share it to my group. I said, oh, cool. So as I was researching, if I didn't have time to finish reading something, I'd just throw it in there so I could come back and check on it later. And... I had it set as a secret group, and uh, a friend of mine I was chatting with, I let them in, and they looked and stuff, and they said, hey, you know, could you open this up a little bit more so other people who are researching these kind of things can find the same info? I said, okay, sure. So I, I moved it up to a closed group. You know, you still have to ask to get in, still have to ask, you know, to post things and stuff like that just because I didn't want it to become a runaway train. And... 
uh, all of a sudden it's like, okay, it, it's only been, what, like two and a half years or something like that, and there's over 11,000 people in there now. And it just really blew my mind the way it grew that there was this many people that had this on their mind, you know. And it wasn't all just people that, you know, had court tomorrow morning and they want a revenue now, you know. There was people just really legitimately researching this kind of info. And to me, hey, you bring these people together, just like, you know, in a spot, maybe like a Facebook group, and, you know, you can work off from each other and play off from each other and meet people. And I'll tell you what, I've had some of the most enlightening conversations I've ever had with some of the members of my group. Or And I really don't even like calling it my group anymore. It's really everybody's group that's there. That community feel. That is awesome. I remember joining that group and it was just a couple, I don't know if it was just shortly after it got you know, more moved more public. So I think it was only like 200 and some members when I first joined. And there's like, there's a lot of people when, I, when I'm when i in the bowels of Facebook uh, talking to people. I don't really comment so much anymore, but I like to watch out because there's a lot more I've noticed in like, like the crunchy mom groups or the alternative groups like Tin Hatters or any of that stuff. You always see uh, a post pop up once in a while, especially for moms. I'm finding there's a lot of moms uh, asking about birth certificates. Uh, for their kids, and I'm just like, well, if you're if you're interested in learning about that kind of thing, you should check out a couple of groups. Yours being one, so I probably uh, sent quite a few over your way. I'm I'm sorry for making it grow that big, but no, absolutely. The more the merrier. And actually, mm-hmm. you want to actually you you want to head down that path of moms and the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. All right. Like for, my, yeah. for myself or for you. For, uh, for, for potentially any future parent, or mm. in fact, I don't even like using the word parent, uh, yep. a future mom or dad, mm-hmm. um, or father and mother, because really what's happening is that the state is very quick to pick up that child and hold them as a surety for the national debt, hold hold their future prosperity and earnings and properties and things like that as part of the uh, debt. Because, you know, one of the very first things that I was thinking of when I started researching stuff was back back when I used to watch TV, um, there was something I was talking about the value of different nations and the richest nations and this and that. And I stopped and I thought, wait a minute, what makes up the value of a nation? How is one nation richer than another. What do they own? The nation doesn't own anything. What could they possibly own? And uh, that's what leads you down the trail of looking at like registrations, you know, such as birth certificate and seeing what that's all about. And um, I I really prefer, you know, for quite a while I I was looking at what different people were talking about in different groups and on different blog posts and things like that, Yahoo groups and stuff. And a lot of what I was seeing was people that were going down the same rabbit trails that some 60, 70, 80-year-old people I had talked to have gone down for the last 30, 40 years and have still gotten nowhere. And that kind of told me, you know what, that's not really the direction you want to go in. You know, there's got to be something else. And uh, to me, 
what it really comes down to, like as far as your property, i.e. your child goes, um, is claim. Uh, everything seems around us to be based off from contract law uh, or trust law. Trust is nothing but contract law. And so you have to make sure you have your claim. Your claim is valid. You know, um, you are in due course uh, the, the rightful owner or a possessor. Um, really to own something is to be in possession and control. So it's two elements. And... You know, when you've got a newborn infant that you're bringing home, uh, what else do you have more possession and control over? But but that little bundle of joy there. And, you know, information, you know, which is knowledge of a crime, is submitted uh, to the hospital uh, for them to be able to submit to the state for the creation of the birth certificate. And it, normally that info is done about 10 days, sometimes a little sooner, but normally it's about 10 days after a child is born, and that, that's when they register it. And so right there, uh, there's a little bit of a window of an opportunity, you know, giving people a chance, I think, to actually stop and think about things. Wait a minute, here I got this brand new baby at home. I want to protect it, you know. I want to be, you know, that, that mama lion or whatever and make sure that, nothing happens to my property. Uh, it isn't uh, injured or changed in any way. Hmm. And I don't think people really think about the legal aspects of things during that time. But they, I really think they do give you that little window there, those 10 days or whatever. Which, you know, I have talked to people that their birth certificates weren't registered for up to a year after they were born. Which I thought was pretty hmm. interesting. I think somebody was probably just being negligent in their duties there as a clerk or whatever. But my recommendation to anybody would be, you know, make up your own claim and do it. You pretty much know when that child is coming. Um, and you, you could do that the day of, day before, a week before um, that child is born, before your, your property is manifested on this earth. And put that on the public record. And you don't have to put the name out there. In fact, I would suggest even stating on that claim that the name is private, period. It's not part of the public, but I'm just letting you know. I've got this property, and I'm making my claim to it. You know, so when it comes time for a birth certificate or anything like that, it's like kind of like, you know what, I'm sorry, but, you know, first in line, first in right, first in line, first in time, that claim's already been made. Mm-hmm. And... That's my suggestion as far as that goes. Now, as far as, you know, the details of what you would put on there, you know, I, I'm not really going to get into that, but, you know, I would say a notice, I would say a notice of interest is very important. Okay. What about, like, a claim of right? Uh, you could have a claim of right. Uh, myself, the word right is a word I kind of try and stay away from uh, because, I think that the corporation or the states have kind of bastardized, the legalese has bastardized that word. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what is your, like, what is your experience on using, like, uh, like when you, you, when you think of a right, you think it's obviously, um, like, an inalienable right is, like, something that you were born with, it's something that can't be taken away. But then, like, the 
the legislations and like you know international covenant and things like they use things like fundamental freedoms or inherent freedoms versus inalienable rights. Like, well, how would you know the difference between those two? I'm like super curious, and it's been buzzing on my mind for <laughs> a few weeks well, already. Well, with any uh, legal document that's using wording like that, uh, the definitions of the words being used have to be outlined and given to the reader, or they at least need to be accessible, okay? So that that's one of the things I would do, like a, a document like that from the SAE where they're using wording like that. I would try and find out how they're using that wording, what they mean by that wording. Because very often... Um, those words aren't really what you think they are. Um, I'll give you a good example. Um, you know, you're up on Canada. Um, I'm on America, or the southern part, middle part of America here. And so you look at, like, uh, Code of Federal Regulations or USC, United States Code. And very often, right in the very beginning of it, it's going to say to you, or it's going to, rather, it's going to read to you, um, in this section, the term da-da-da shall be construed to mean da-da-da, okay? Well, they just told you something really important right there. They didn't tell you that this word is going to mean this or that. They said this term is going to mean this or that. So what they've done is they've not really changed the definitions of words. What they've done is a lot of these words, they've adapted them and made them part of the terms that they use. And in legalese, they use these terms uh, uh, just like a carpenter uses a hammer. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of their tools. But like I said, you can go and you can look, uh, like a lot of the U.S. code and stuff, and it'll tell you right there, in this section, this term shall mean da-da-da. Well, that really makes you stop and wonder, okay, well, in this, if in this section that this term shall be construed to mean X, Y, Z, then that means it could mean something else somewhere else, couldn't it? <laughs> so, like I say, that's why it's really important to find out the definitions of the terms and words being used in any legal document. Well, it's like that maxim of law or whatever, like, uh, what the hell was it? There was a thing. It's maxim of law, the inclusion of one excludes all others or something like that. So it's like I like to, like, when people ask me about, you know, sovereignty and stuff, and I point to things like the Interpretation Act of Canada. And if you looked at the Interpretation of Act of Canada, Canada means, like, it, Canada includes the waters surrounding the land. So that means it doesn't mean the water and the land. That simply means it's the water surrounding the land. Canada isn't the landmass, it's the water surrounding the land pertaining back to Admiralty Act or Admiralty Law and all those other fun things and it's just like, whoa, like you like all these these people making these rules on these acts and statutes and things, when you look at what Canada is, going back to the Interpretation Act, like it doesn't even apply to you unless you're a corporation or surety or any of that fun stuff. It's it's simply the waters around Canada. And I know that tends to blow a lot of people's minds. Or even simple things like driving. It's like 
I have a lot of friends. It's like, okay, where do I start? Okay, get a Black's Law Dictionary. You have to get a Black's Law Dictionary. can't be a regular dictionary because that's, you know, common speak. Get a Black's Law Dictionary. Check out certain terms. Look at the term person. Look at the term drive. Look at the term transportation. Then tell me what you find. Tell me what you think. Because things that you think are, you know, common everyday speak mean totally something else to cops and to courts and all these other things, all these other people, persons. There we go. Sorry. All these other persons. So I find it kind of interesting because I know the other day I was looking at um, my Black's Law Dictionary 5th edition and it said for parent in statutes, a parent is a mother or father. And it's just like they hijacked the word parent. So it's like I didn't really understand why I couldn't use the word parent before until I looked in like you know, a law dictionary saying that in statutes, parent is used. And when parent refers to a corporation, as in Interpretation Act of Canada, a person is a corporation because inclusion of one thing excludes all others. It's just like, and a parent is a person. And it's like, mind blown. On my end, anyway. No, absolutely. And I remember seeing uh, that regarding Canada and it being the waters surrounding the land. And that just made me start to laugh because uh, we've heard, I don't know how many times, uh, whether it's Supreme Court or whoever, but uh, in America, you always hear, oh, the Constitution is the law of the land. It's the law of the land. Okay, everybody thinks, okay, good, it's the law of the land. I should be able to use it and this and that. I'm thinking, wait a minute. That, let it be the law of the land. That's okay, but you're operating in the seas of commerce out there. You're not on the land anymore, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's the small, subtle trickery things that people just don't, have never been taught. Have never been taught. Not necessarily don't understand. They've just, I find a lot of them have never, well, even myself, have never been taught. Well, and I, I would say it's not just a matter of, you know, not necessarily being taught. I, I think it is the obligation of every man or woman to do their own research, to do their own study, and not just assume the regurgitated BS that comes to you in school or college or whatever is the truth. I mean, you are responsible for your own truth. You are responsible for what you think and what you know or want to believe. You are responsible for those things. You know, I, I firmly believe that if there were a day where you're standing in front of a creator or anything like that, I don't think he would care about as much about why you did certain things or why you thought certain things. I think what really is important is why you believe those, why you think those things. Do you think them just because somebody else passed that info to you? I mean, the... Just about everything everybody thinks they believe is stuff that was regurgitated to them from someone else who got it from somebody else who got it from somebody else. How often have people really dug in and done their own looking to, to find something that gives standing to their thoughts and beliefs? Because I, th- I think that is of the utmost importance because if you can't have standing to your thoughts and beliefs and something to back them up other than, well, so Johnny said this or Bob said that. No. If you don't have a good, solid foundation for yourself, 
then you're not going to be able to stand for yourself. And that's the problem most people have found themselves in. Um, a few months ago, I posted in one of my groups, I posted a eighth grade equivalency exam from, I think it was 1872, something like that. And I was looking through that exam, and I was going, oh, my God, I don't know if I could pass this. And people think we are so much more advanced than people were one or 200 years ago. Well, no, I'm sorry. Um, If you look into things that Rockefeller said, uh, because they put a lot of money into starting up the schools. Uh, In America, it was called the country school. And they put a lot of money into that, and getting it uh, kind of nationalized to where, you know, every town is going to have its school. This is a curriculum that's going to be used. And all they really wanted to do is create a good worker. And that was it, just a good worker. Uh, he even said, you know, we don't need any more artists or scientists or doctors. We've got plenty of those people. We just need good workers, good people that are going to feed into the system. That's all they were concerned about. And so that means it's our responsibility to really go and and do our own looking and research and and digging into things to find out the real truth of the matter. I'm sorry to leave you in a spot like that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's that's a little bit aggravating. A little bit mind blowing and a little bit like, man, that kind of sucks because so many, so many parents, or you know, keepers or guardians or whatever you want to call yourself, put your kids in the school because everybody believes in a firm education. I mean, I, I'm unschooling my kids, so they'll be learning their ABCs, their one, two, threes, and how to, you know, cook and how to raise livestock and how to grow a garden and how to make some soap and how to operate in the courts and how to you know, write affidavits and they'll be having a lot more of a comprehensive uh, education as compared to learning some chemistry and psychology and getting good grades. It just kind of sucks for, you know, any kind of uh, individual who is, you know, knows that this is bullshit and still having to put their kids in school because they themselves have to go to work or, you know, to be able to provide for their family. It's it's frustrating because it's it's frustrating for them because they also know it's crap. It's just not a choice they have, so to speak, because the system has been raised raised to make well not just workers but basically slavery workers. Well, you know what, Sam? Doesn't this make it seem like this was all planned? No. <laughs> No conspiracy there. Take that tinfoil hat off. <laughs> but you know what? It's funny you brought up tinfoil hat a little bit ago. Um, I've been waiting for a package to arrive at my door because I was goofing around online and I was looking at different hats and I found these um, silver aluminum colored looking hats. And I'm like, oh my God, that looks like a... a a, a tinfoil hat. I gotta have one. I gotta order one of those. <laughs> oh, I gotta make one. I gotta make one just for fun, and then I'm gonna make a video one of these days, and I'm just gonna wear that hat and just yeah, 
That's awesome. Well, so do you, you actually ordered that hat? Yeah, I absolutely did. I I ordered it. And you know, and oh. if anybody um ever watches uh, Leak Project with Rex Bear, I, I I highly recommend it. Some very interesting info he produces. And I I've met Rex. He's a great guy. But um one day when I was talking to him, he went and he grabbed something and he had a hat that he had gone and he had wrapped it in aluminum foil. He's like, Okay, now mm-hmm. I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my god, that is so funny. That is well, so you funny. know what? You Sorry, can that, you? That, that that leads into something too, okay? Mm-hmm. And we're laughing about this, but it's actually kind of a serious situation because mm-hmm. a, a lot of things have had that conspiracy label, conspiracy theory label thrown or cast on them. And it's ridiculous because that is just one of the tools, go back talking about tools again, that's one of the tools that the system uses in their propaganda to discredit things, you know. I remember, you know, prior to really researching things, I would hear something mentioned about Illuminati or whatever, and I'd kind of roll my eyes. And the more and more digging I did, I'm like, yeah, there's got to be people behind all of this that's really going on and oh holy crap yeah that illuminati word there might be a little bit more to this than we think and you know they they try and dispel a lot of this stuff with calling it conspiracy theory or you know oh you need to wear your tinfoil hat or something you know and that that's just it's craziness because it's when people are seeing getting close to the truth that then they want to discredit you. Um, I notice in different forms, people start talking about various things, and all of a sudden you hear people coming out and they start calling each other names and bashing each other and stuff. And it's like, well, you know what? If you want to know who the government troll is to me, that's your best sign right there of a troll, you know, because that is one of the tools that they use. Um, Here in America, uh, what was it? I think it was in the early 50s, uh, there was a Smith-Munt Act that was written. And in the Smith-Munt Act, it basically said that propaganda could not be used and lies could not be used to sway the American people. Uh, Then later on, I I can't recall when it was now, it was in the last uh, 30 years, there was like the Smith-Munt kind of reorganization act or something like that that was written where they went and they totally changed it and they said yes it is okay for the government to put forward false information to sway the minds of the public (gasps) and you start looking at uh different people on tv uh whether anderson cooper you watch that program or what and you see so many of these people either are or were CIA assets or worked in the government at one time. Uh, There's one in particular, I'm not going to bring his name out, but he went straight from the CIA to having prime time news on CNN. Never supposedly went to college to learn broadcasting, anything like that. Went straight from the CIA to being a talking head. And it's like, and you are still watching TV? You're still 
bouncing from one news channel to another, starting at 5 o'clock in the evening till 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, okay. And I'm wearing the tinfoil hat. <laughs> wow. That's a... Uh... Did not know that. I know back in university, like, uh, we were talking about um, the idea of, you know, what actually happens in reality versus what's on the news. And I remember we were talking about, like, murder. It's, like, like very, like, violent crimes, like murder, for example. It's, like, 1% to 2% in Canada, but it makes up 60% of headlining news on TV. So the idea that, you know, older people think that the world is getting more violent, well, it is, but getting more violent and, you know, kids are crazier nowadays. I mean, kids were crazy when grandparents were kids, and before that, it just crazy and different things. And what was it? I remember, depending on the location, upwards of 85 to 90% of people get their uh, current events and news from things like television and radio. So that's quite significant that most people are getting what's happening uh, on television and radio. And this is back when I was taking sociology. Um, everything, you know, getting it from the news and the radio and that kind of stuff, When if, if it's all uh, CIA programming. <laughs> but I need to go do some Google this evening. i got a lot of research to do. Well, you know what, you even uh, get into D- Disney movies, for instance, okay? And uh, other big, uh, big, big movies that have been put out. And uh, you could probably get in, uh, take any name of any big movie that talked about war or anything like that. And then put the word CIA in there into your search and see what pops up. Because... A lot of times, the government has to give a clearance on the info that's being put out. And they might strike a bunch of stuff that's in there. Hmm. So, like, and, every Disney movie or just every movie in general? Uh, well, actually, with Disney and with a lot of the comics, uh, Marvel Comics, you can even look into that. It, a lot of the writers are people that held uh, government official jobs at one point or another. Or they worked for an NGO, you know, which they, they say non-government organization. Well, I'm sorry. Why are these NGOs doing so much work for the GEO? <laughs> That's disappointing. Oh. I, re- I realize I'm about to open up a whole can of worms that I'm not going to want to open up. <laughs> oh. Brian, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's just a fact. And, you know, there's people that come to me and they're like, you know, uh, you're you're just bringing everybody down and depressing people. <gasps> and you know what? To me, no. Uh, to me, it's enlightening. I'm happy to find this stuff. I love it. I think it's awesome. Because... Mm-hmm. What really depresses me, uh, my father died here like 10 years ago. And I wonder and I think, you know, how much of this stuff did he know? Because he worked as a court officer, you know, prior to going and starting to open up schools, you know, so people could really learn a decent education. But 
what was depressing to me would be to live your whole life not knowing that you weren't nothing but just a game piece. That you were being played the whole time. You know, that's why they yeah. say it, it is so much harder to convince somebody that they were fooled than it is to fool somebody. Nobody wants to think that they've been screwed over, especially yeah. without ever knowing it. And I didn't want to be in that position. I wanted to find out what's really happening, what's really going on, because what better way can you navigate your way through this maze unless you know the truth, unless you know the facts? You know, I'm sorry. I'm not one of those people that's just happy, you know, being in the fog. You know, they say ignorance is bliss. Well, you know what? To me, ignorance is not bliss. It's definitely not. It's like, you know, as time goes on, that bliss starts to slip away. The screen comes down, the veil is lifted, and you realize that it is not blissful out there. So had you faced the facts and, you know, worked the music before, it could be a lot better now. Well, and everybody wants to be empowered. And what do you have that's going to empower you? I want people to really think about that. What do you have that empowers you? The only thing that really empowers you is your own knowledge, your own actual real knowledge, not just what you think or believe, but what you really know and can stand on. Because otherwise, if you are just operating off from info that's been spoon-fed to you from a young age, then you're just still using that game piece. And you can only use that game piece in the way that is instructed by that game. Unless you go and step off from that game board. Once you step off from that game board, you do that when you really have gained some knowledge of what's really happening. And then you can operate successfully forward from there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm de- I'm also definitely one of those people with like I don't I don't care how shitty it is, just hit me with the facts and I mean I'll I'll research it as much as I can and draw my own conclusions, but it's like I don't I don't want to I don't want to beat around the bush. Let's 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 get real here. Cuz I don't have time for cherry coding things when, you know, there's other shit to be done and there's other things to learn. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the way I am. You know, I, I don't want to be that mouse that's in the little maze trying to find that exit door. No, just show me a picture of that maze so I know where the door's at so I can get out of there and move on with things. <laughs> Next maze, please. Yeah. Actually, just kidding. Put me in the open field. So. Hello. So, yeah, I think, yeah, we're pretty much at that hour mark. Do you want to take a few minutes to see if we have any questions or? any comments or if anybody wants to call in you're running the you're running the keyboard behind there so you know if anybody wants to chit chat or anything like that if you mind taking uh 20 minutes or so here if anybody yeah. out there has been listening and you are on the if you're listening live online you can go to the chat box and ask Brian any questions he can see them there and he can answer them too or if anybody's called in and wants to ask any questions I'm sure uh, there's some instructions for when you called in to uh, chat, or how how does that work? Yeah, on uh, talk show, I believe if you hit star eight on your phone, 
uh, it'll raise your hand, and I can unmute you. Hmm. And like uh, Sam said as well, uh, you can just type it into the chat. If you're on the chat for the call through TalkShoe, uh, just type it like in all capital letters. Keep it a little bit brief, and I'll try and address that. So there's two options right there. So if anybody um, has any questions or comments, feel free to type in the chat box or push star 8, I believe Brian said, to uh, ask them now. Uh, this this show will keep going after the 20 minutes, just uh, as red as Brian's regular show, just for the uh, the recorded cutoff for mine. Uh, if anybody has any questions. And I think uh, we've got probably about 25 minutes before your 90 minutes is up, Sam. Um, yeah. And I, I wanted to say also, if people want to find out more info, um, go to my YouTube. Page. It's Brian Parker, Brian with a Y, and not because I'm particular about how it's spelled, it's because the system is particular. Uh, Brian with a Y, Parker, uh, comma, Tactical Sovereignty, and that should bring you to my YouTube. And then on my YouTube, you want to go to playlists. I've got over 40 playlists there. Uh, of course, each one is on a various topic, but I would recommend going to the... Um, I am power uh, YouTube. And what that's talking about is it's talking about the smart meters. And, you know, I am very interested in that topic of smart meters. I research that a lot, the 5G network that's going to be rolling out, the effects that it has on people and things like that. <clears throat> but the, the M power, I am, the M power group that I've got listed there on that playlist what I was fascinated with was what they were doing with their info from a legal standpoint, because these were people that were involved in the legal process. So they knew law, they knew what the attorneys do, they know how the corporations work, all that stuff. And I was looking at how they got remedy regarding the smart meters. <clears throat> and what did they use? Well, you know what they used? They basically used the administrative process and the process of notification. Well, gee, if it works that great, which it has, it's worked awesome for them, but if it works that great just to have a box changed on the outside of your house, why can't that be used to direct your standing with that fictional created entity called person? And I, I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that people have mentally to get over because you hear people say, oh, I'm not the name. And people are thinking, well, what do you mean I'm not the name? You know, uh, I know I'm not those letters. What are you talking No, what it's really talking about is, uh, and, and let me caveat that. One of the things I like to do is go back to the beginning of things because that's really where you're going to find a solution at. And in the beginning of things, when you're talking about the United States, which is not the United States of America. The United States is the company that runs the United States of America. Uh, you go into their codes and go to the very beginnings of their codes, which is 1 U.S.C. 8. It talks about person. You know, and they, and they established a way, a conduit, for the man or woman to interact with the corporation. Because 
uh, Sam spoke earlier about maxims. All right. Like things can only deal with or operate with other like things. That's another maxim. And so corporations can only deal with other corporations or things that are similar, such as partnerships or associations. All right. And so I think that's the biggest hurdle for people to really get over mentally is that you are not operating as you when it comes to the state. You are operating through a fictional character that they created. And you're acting as a representative or agent for that fictional entity. Mm-hmm. And so that is really what you're correcting. Your own personal status doesn't need correcting. You've had that your whole life. What you're correcting and bringing notice to is your relationship to that fictional entity that they created for you to operate through. Uh, Do you want to still use that wheelbarrow or a thimble or a race car on the Monopoly board, or do you not? Do you want to take ownership of that thimble, race car, or whatever on the Monopoly board? and then control it yourself or let them control it. That's really what it comes down to. And I really found it fascinating to see the progress that the Empower group was having just through the power of notice and the administrative process. Um, I'll take a peek on the board here, see if anybody's written anything, see if anybody's got their Uh, hand up. Guest six saying that they're trying the the talk shoe phone number, the 724-444-7444, and it's not working properly. Um, guest 6 says, I have a corporate registration. It's United States of America listed as a religious nonprofit corporation. Uh, guest 13 says, where does it say I can only deal with fiction, not a man? Okay. I'm bringing those up now. Yay. Uh, registration of the United States of America. Yeah, the United States, yeah, that's one of the things that I laugh about. Everybody talks about separation of church and state, but the United States is listed as a nonprofit religious organization. Okay, guys, there is no difference between church and state. A state is a religion. If you don't think that state is a religion, um, Go into any type of public forum, you know, go into the VFW, for instance, and start talking about this info about the United States and some of the things that it's done around the world and see some of these guys. People are giving their lives daily around the world right now for this corporation, Okay. If that's not a freaking religious belief, you tell me what is. Um, where does it say that they can only deal with a fiction and not man? Uh, you know what? They're not going to put that right out there. They're not going to list that anywhere for you and tell you that. Uh, the, those are some of the dots you have to connect uh, when you start understanding contract law and corporate law and trust law and how things interact with each other. That's just one of the basics. Uh, I I think they kind of expect people to have a little bit of a mind of their own and not have to be told everything. 
And if you have to be told something to believe it, then, well, I guess that's a different issue. I don't know. Um, was it a scene somewhere? Yeah, it, it, it is probably alluded to somewhere. That would not surprise me at all. I know Mark Passio has a good uh, seminar on uh, what constitutes a religion. I don't remember what exactly it's called. I don't know if it's the natural law seminar or if it's a different seminar. He has a seven-hour-long natural law seminar, and that is one of the seminars I recommend to anybody who wants to uh, watch anything informational. That's one of the ones that I'm just like, you need to see this watch it again and again, it will blow your mind. You know what, Sam? It's kind of funny that you bring that up. Because if anybody wants to see his natural law seminar, guess where you can look? Look on one of my playlists. I've got it right there. His seminar? Yep, I made a whole thing of his seminar on natural law. Damn. Okay, I'm going to have to go creep. That is awesome. It's good stuff good stuff but i i want people to keep something in the back of their mind regarding mark passio though uh i don't really know how to say this he he claims to be an ex whatever um keep in the back of your mind he still has a little bit of that in him because Dealing with natural law is one of the big things that Satanists tweak and mess with. Hmm. That is interesting to note. Um, I mean, you know, last week uh, Clint Richardson was on this call, and Clint has said this very briefly before, but he stayed at Mark Passio's home. And that X part, maybe not so much. The what? The ex-Satanist thing? Yeah. Maybe not quite so much, according to Clint Richardson, who has stayed at his home with him. Hmm. That is interesting to know. I don't like dropping names, but I think that's just something people should keep in the back of their mind a little bit. I mean, we always need to be, I think, very leery and weary of where we get info from. Always weigh it. You know, don't soak it in like an empty sponge or whatever. We really need to find how much it resonates with us and how much sense it really makes. I mean, there, there were so many things that I found when I, I first started researching our relationship to the government and how they really have power over people and things like that. And I saw so many things that people were saying they're doing south. And it's like, that doesn't even make common sense. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not even realistic. And when I really dug in and found that, oh, yeah, there is a way that you can take back control and guess what? It also makes sense. (laughs) You know, it is realistic. It's not a matter, like I said, of putting your 
thumbprint on a document so the CIA can create a database of these so-called sovereign citizens or anything like that. I mean, when people are promoting stuff like that, you need to sit back and say, oh, wait a minute, who are these guys working for? You know, have they sworn allegiance to the Vatican and things like that in the past? Uh, maybe I want to second-guess some of those recommendations that they give. that make you make you really think and question. And that's one of the things that I like to uh, read info from or hear info from is people that make you think. You know what I mean? People that really make you start to question things. And that helps you decide for yourself in your own mind what is really good, reliable info and what really isn't. <clears throat> Uh, I, I can't remember where this statement came from, but this was something that made me think a while ago. Uh, somebody was talking about religion and churches and, and, and things kind of of that realm. And some of the different ministers or the teachers or the gurus or whatever they were that were promoting different things. And they made the statement, they said, you know, do you think that those men and women would be in that position doing what they're doing right now if they weren't getting paid to do it. You know, we really have been placed here where we're supposed to be in a giving capacity. We're supposed to be helping each other. You know, anything we find out, hey, we need to be shouting it from the rooftops. We, we need to be the watchers on the wall telling everybody this stuff. But if somebody's there just doing it because they're bringing in a buck, uh, then maybe you might want to question a little bit of the so-called knowledge that they're trying to share with you. Yeah, that's that that whole topic of uh, gurus. You kind of know if they're legit or not, if they're making you pay for the knowledge that they are uh, uh, expressing. So, I mean, we all need to get paid for something, but, I mean, when it's like, you know, something that you could find on the Internet otherwise, it's like, yeah. Well, you know, I I, I totally believe Max Lovois, a workman is worthy of his hire. I totally believe that. That financially, if you've exerted your blood, sweat, and tears into something, you deserve to get paid for it. Yes, absolutely. at the same time, if somebody's out there saying, you know what, I can tell you how to discharge your electric bill, your cable bill, your car bill, uh, how to discharge your mortgage, da-da-da, and this is going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars. And that, But uh, I'm going to charge you $1,500 for a class. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait a second. You know the key how to discharge everything, but you want to charge me. Uh, connect a couple dots there. Okay, cool. Can I discharge that debt with you to learn this info? <laughs> and can you show me how to discharge that debt? Yeah. That's the one little yeah. piece they always miss. They don't. They can discharge everything else, supposedly, but they can't tell you how to discharge the expense of purchasing their info from them. <laughs> and if they can discharge everything, what do they need that 1500 bucks for? 
you know. Exactly. All the, any info I put on the group, I, and I pretty much just post like what I've done. I post what I've done after I've seen some sort of result from it or something like that. Uh, I don't necessarily show all the darts that I've thrown, you know what I mean, to see what sticks or whatever. But I put everything out there for everybody to look at and decide on themselves for free. I don't charge anybody for nothing. I would never charge anybody for anything. Because, you know what, this stuff isn't taking away from my ball game. Because I don't watch ball games. It's, It's not taking away... Uh, from me going to the movies and getting indoctrinated or going to church and being indoctrinated because I don't do those things. Uh, for me, I wasn't meant to be on this planet to go to ball games or go to churches to get indoctrinated or any of that kind of stuff. I was placed here to learn this stuff. And if I was placed here to learn this stuff, then I must be learning this stuff so I can show it to other people. Uh, I mean, I could see, like, you know, if you were doing it for people rather than doing it with people, if you start doing it for people, then that would be something that you would definitely uh, want to start looking at because you're not, they're not doing the work and you're helping them or teaching them, it's you're doing the work for them. But then again, that would kind of go against everything that, uh, you know, you're to be responsible and be able to do it for yourself. If you're having somebody do it for you, how are you ever going to learn how to do it, you know, in case you have to do it again down the line or, you know, in case something backfires and it's like, well, I don't know what he did. So, yeah, it was absolutely. a comment here. Uh, okay, I will share this with you. The LDS Church, the bishops, stake presidents, and others are doing it without pay, and many people involved in the church are not doing it for pay. Guest sixth. Yeah, I'm I'm fully aware of what the LDS Church is doing and where they originated from. Um, I would recommend anybody really interested in LDS to explore that. And uh, while you're exploring how the LDS is set up and how they operate, um, also jump over and look at the Masons and see how they're set up and how they operate. And then, and then play Connect the Dots. <laughs> we have a guy swearing. Uh, guest 6 says, I am of the same mentality. I do not get paid for my time on here either, which you know I invest a lot of time learning and sharing. Yeah, I, I don't really get paid. Like, not, not, like, even for myself, I don't get paid for any of the research I do because if I get for free, I give for free. And the only reason I have as much knowledge as, as I have is because people gave that away for free. So Yeah, and let me add a comment here as well to LawFan. LawFan, I've seen you over in, in, at uh, Angela Stark's house, and uh, no thank you, you're not my type. And you're not welcome here. <laughs> No, I don't care how many times you want to do it, law fan. I, I said you're not my type, bro. It's the way it is. <laughs> and, oh. and I'm and I'm the F word. 
Okay. All right. When you're the one, you're the one offering to contract. You're the one offering to commerce. You're the one offering to have intercourse. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, by, the, by the way, contracting and commerce—it's synonymous for intercourse. I hope everybody knows that. So you know, next time you get a letter, it, you just say thank you. I care not to have intercourse with you. So. <laughs> I'm enjoying this chat. This chat is kind of making me giggle a little bit. Oh, he left the chat. Well, that's too bad. So, yeah, that's going to make my day. I'm going to listen back on this recording someday, and I'm going to laugh so hard into tears. It's not even going to be funny. I'm going to be like, what's the context of this? Oh, yeah, that one time that guy uh, said a bunch of really bad words in Brian's chat box. Yeah, but this guy, this this dude calls himself off and wants to have intercourse with Brian. <laughs> I mean, so this is, uh, maybe we did not caveat this call correctly. We didn't let people know this was not a porn um, <laughs> chat, chat room or whatever. <laughs> even climaxed yet. You're going to end this? <laughs> We're going to keep it for the next episode to keep people coming back. There you go. <laughs> next time. Next time I'll talk to you. Thanks, Sam. Uh, alrighty. I want to say a huge thank you, Brian, for uh, doing this for me and with me and keeping climax for next time. Um <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I quite enjoyed this. Um, so this this segment is uh, over, but just for everybody out there, um, the 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 can't find the word. I sound so much like a potato. It's not even funny half the time. I sound really smart when I type because I can backspace a whole bunch. I cannot backspace when I talk. Um, for everybody else listening out there, um, the Matra Matra exit. It's going to continue here. i got to go downstairs and feed my little guy. But I do want to say super huge thank you for everything you do, Brian. Thank you so much for the knowledge. I am so proud to call you a mentor of mine and a friend. So this this has been a very uh, eye-opening conversation for me, and I hope it was for everybody else out there. Oh, you know what, Sam? I want everybody to be their own mentor. Unwind your mind and become your own mentor. That's good. I like that. That is good. I do like that. All right. Thanks, Sam. We had had fun tonight. Besides the uh, mentor thing, anything else before this this little segment is done? Uh, I'll save it for my climax next time. (gasps) Well, I guess I'll have to have you as a show again or uh, a guest again. So I'm going to hop off, and for everybody else, um, have a very good evening and continue enjoying your chat uh, with Brian. This has been uh, a very good conversation. 
So have a very good evening, guys. Bye-bye. And go check out Against the Grain. Perfect. So that was a good, that's the part that will be recorded. So now we can start with the real fun. All right. Um, well, I guess I could unmute the board, and hopefully we don't have a lot of background noise, but, uh, you know, I know we've got a very good quantity of very knowledgeable people on the call that help most of them probably know way more than I do even, so um, unmute the board, and I would just say to everybody, uh, keep yourself muted unless you are the one speaking, obviously. If you're not speaking, please mute yourself out so that other people can talk and try not to step over each other. How do you mute um, yourself out? Um, I think star six is like a toggle switch if you don't have a mute button, like on a smartphone or something like that. I'm going to try it real quick. All right. Oh, snap, it actually works. Oh, it does? Okay. Oh, that was it does something work. I remember. I remember that from a long time ago. I've never had to use it. or I normally always keep myself muted when I'm listening to other people's calls. I normally try oh. not to interject. But All right, yeah. let me unmute everybody. And I'm sorry, I will not have oral sex with you. All right. <laughs> so vocally, vocally nothing will happen. I'll just mute you back out. So anyway, I'm going to unmute everybody. Everybody should be unmuted. It reminds me of uh, a kind of funny joke I heard a while ago. It was uh, an old man and old lady sitting on the porch. And the old man looks at the old lady and he's like, you know, F you. And the old lady looks back at him and says, F you. Yeah, and this goes on for a period of time, and the old man looks at the old lady and says, you know, that's all sex isn't all it's cracked up to be. Anyway, that is kind of a nerdy joke, I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I thought it was a good joke. Um, hey, Brian, you're a... Uh... You're a clergyman, correct? Uh, well, I don't really know whether to say clergyman or not. What I've really acquainted to is that I've made a decision as to what I'm following and what I'm not following. Okay. You you have uh, you carry clergy credentials, however, is that correct? Yes. And is that, um, I don't know, you call yourself a minister or a pastor, and is it a particular church or ministry? No, I, I don't consider myself, I, mean, I don't call myself a minister or pastor. I just look at it, like I said, you know, I, I've made a decision as to what I'm following. You know, one of the things that I looked at quite a while ago was the First Amendment, okay? And 
to me, the First Amendment and the first sentence or the first couple lines of the First Amendment is the only thing that really matters because it said there that Congress shall make no law um, something like regarding an establishment of religion. And so you go and look at those legal words as far as establishment and stuff, and you find that you yourself, your own man or woman, whoever you are, you are an establishment. But how have you established yourself? Have you established yourself? If you've not established yourself as to who you're following, then it's going to be assumed or presumed what you're following, and that throws you directly under the state. Now, after that first line or two of the First Amendment, where it said it was not going to respect um, any establishment of religion, okay, then that's fine. That means everything written after that is for the establishments that have not defined who they're following or what side they're on, because there's two sides running. Uh, You can be uh, on the side of your creators, or you can be on the side of the state. And if you don't dictate that, then there's where the assumption and presumption kicks in. Did that help you? Yeah, that yeah that helps that helps a bunch. Uh, I guess what I'm wondering about: do you do you is there some sort of a ministry or something that you have uh, credentials from? Yeah, yeah. I use uh, I use Universal Ministries out of the Chicago area because Universal Ministries is not founded or formed under the IRS as a 501c3 or a 5018 or whatever you want to call it. Because no church has to be formed under a statute of the government. Very good. Thank you. Now, I've said that to people before, and they go to Google and look it up because they want to maybe do the same thing. And they accidentally, normally, it probably pops up first on their search, is Universal Life Ministries. Well, I highly do not recommend Universal Life Ministries. I know at one time their headquarters was at the Church of Satan in New York, okay? And they are a 501c3 formed underneath the IRS. And it just kind of won't remind you, remind people, uh, like Sam brought up earlier, about the word include and includes, you know. If it says includes, it excludes all others, that kind of idea. Um, but if you're formed under, you got to pay attention to that word under. If you're formed under the IRS, well, guess who's ruling you? Um, if you are a spiritual creation and you're operating in a spiritual realm, then how can you be formed under a construct of man? I know we got a lot of people on the board. I don't know if Greg is still here. I would like to talk to Greg a little. 
Well, I don't really know how to respond to that. Yikes. You okay? Bless you. All right, well, if anybody had any comments, legitimate comments to make or something they want to talk about, go for it. Otherwise, I guess we can end this call. You know, to me, it's all about learning who you are, where you're from, and where you're really at. Because people have been lied to about that their whole life. Everybody has been born into a family, but they're told, Growing up, you know, what religion they're following, what nationality they're following, right down the line. And they spend the rest of their life defending those things without ever coming to a point where they realize what all those things really are all about and being able to create their own standing on what they really believe or know. Yes. And... Uh, even when it goes into spirituality, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't think our God has grandchildren. So just because your mom and dad were were Pentecostal or Catholic or Baptist doesn't make you that. Only you make you who you are. All right. So, if anybody has anything, pipe up. Otherwise, we'll end this call. It's been a great call. Thank you, Sam, for coming on. It's a lot of fun. I do have one question. Sure. So, I've been watching, like, a lot of uh, Edward Robbins seminars and stuff lately, and he says to use the word, or to be a minister, in accordance with uh, Canadians or Canadian Criminal Code, um, well, like backtracking, you know, like it's it's a sin to give respect to persons. I don't remember exactly what is the Bible definition or the Bible verse. I, I just started like it's been a lot of years since I've dived into the Bible. To put it very nicely, I haven't really touched it for like three years or four years, so it's been like just kind of a I forget a lot of it. But like he says, you know, don't give respect to persons and all that fun stuff. But then he says to go to, to be a minister kind of thing in accordance to a couple of the Canadian criminal codes. And you mentioned the Universal Life Church, was it, that you don't right. want to be with? So if you want right. to be, like I, I was dicking around on the Internet the one day, and like, you know, like I... I Googled something for church, and then it signed up. I, I I signed up, and it's like, oh wow, you're a minister. All you got to do is pay thirty bucks, and you get a get a letter of good standing and stuff. So, which is the one? Like, if you were to be a minister of whatever, like a minister of truth or a minister of the Church Christ or Church Christ Church or anything, like, what church would you want to go through? Well, it's not necessarily a quote unquote church. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a service. And, but what I recommend is Universal Ministries. 
because they are not a 501c3 or a 501 anything formed under the IRS. Okay, that's that's what it is. It's Universal Ministries, hey? And, you know, I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking back on a past life here well, with an ex-girlfriend. She used to watch all of that real-life TV drama stuff, the different cop movies and shows and things. And you'd see people be hauled in front of a judge and you see different court cases and things. And something that when I was researching this that my mind went back to was that I never saw um, clergy brought before the court over trivial stuff. The only time you ever saw a pastor, a minister, or whatever, and minister is just somebody who brings forth knowledge and information to other people and lets them weigh it. That's what a minister is. But the only time you ever saw them in court was guys who had, like, committed a nefarious act, a capital crime. They had killed their wife. They had stolen thousands or millions, whatever, from the church or organization. That's the only time you ever saw them there. You never saw them involved in smaller stuff. And when I started including that with what I handed over to an officer or whatever, if I were to be pulled over, their eyes would light up and they'd say, oh, you're clergy? And I'd say, yes, thank you very much. And the traffic stops would last literally, I'd look at my watch, under a minute and a half. They would run back, run my name, see if I had a warrant, come right back, give me my stuff back and say, hey, you have a great day. Be safe. Hmm. And I'd be gone. Interesting. Um, I found, and a lot of people trying to negate this with me and tell me it's bullshit, but I, I look at the Libra Code, Okay. The uh, Lever Code was uh, General Orders 100 by Abraham Lincoln at the onset of the Civil War because he wanted a third party to lay out the rules of what was going to go on during the Civil War with the people and with the standing army that was on the soil. Okay, And I, I, I for various reasons, believe we still have a standing army today if you just look at the police force, okay? Because if you look at the Army Code of Regulations, who can wear stars? Who can wear um, American flag on the, on their shirt or on their shoulder? Or what? It, you have to be in the military. Otherwise, you're not allowed to wear those things. Anyway, the Libra Code starts right out, and it pretty much tells you the only way that it can be... Um, removed is by the CEO, by the president's order, or by the vote of the people of Congress. Okay, None of those things have ever happened, which means that the Libra Code is still standing. So I tied this Libra Code into um, the First Amendment, and I looked at Article 53 of the Libra Code. Article 53 of the Libra Code says that if the standing army should encounter hospital workers, 
or clergy, they should not be seen as POWs and held, but should be released. Which to me, once again, it's like, oh, people who have taken sides. Uh, clergy has taken a side as who they're following. Hospital workers have taken a side because they exist to help each other. Both of those intertwine, clergy and hospital people, those intertwine with each other because they are both in existence to help out mankind and help their neighbors around them, whether it's spiritually or physically. So I, I think, you know, that that is part of, like, your declaration. That's part of what you should be letting the other side, and I do call them the other side, let them know, is that why do I exist? Do I exist here to serve you? Or do I exist here to serve my fellow mankind? Yeah, one cannot serve two masters. Hello. Oh, gosh, we're getting back to spiritual. Go figure. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's uh, some really interesting stuff when you look into it. Very interesting <laughs> stuff. All right. <laughs> got to talk about spiritual, too. I mean, men cannot serve two masters. Well, Scripture also says that the borrower is servant to the lender, right? So that's what I do with my bank account. You know, people open a general bank account and you receive interest on the money you deposit. That means you're receiving a benefit. Well, if you're receiving a benefit, then you also hold a liability. All right? So I, I, t- I took that premise and I opened a bank account underneath not my name, but the DBA name that I hold. All right? And I opened it as a non-interest bearing account which meant I wasn't giving or receiving, rather, any money back from that institution. Hmm. I waited a couple months, and I bounced two checks off it. Uh, I received a notice in the mail, because it was two checks, I received two notices in the mail from Wells Fargo that said, you know, X amount of money was written on a check, uh, X amount of money was in the account at the time. Uh, we charge $30 for a, a delinquent fee, whatever you want to call it. And then at the bottom, it said amount charged, zero. So the banks even follow these principles. If you're not receiving a benefit from them, they cannot hold you liable. And the funny thing is, is that not only do they not hold me liable on that, they covered the check. Hmm. Normally, you get that check sent back to you. Along with that letter saying, hey, we're charging you 30 bucks. You know what I mean? That never happened. In fact, it just happened this last week again, too. 
because I try to keep very minimal money in the account. Only what I need to cover checks that are written. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to freaking do the math between the two and keep a ledger on the two because I I don't like bookkeeping, but I really <laughs> don't have to worry about it anymore because the bank's going to cover it. As long as I repay them, they don't give a shit. Which to me means, like for instance, say somebody that's renting. If you've got your stuff set up this way and you don't have enough money for rent this month, don't worry about it. Write the freaking check. Send it out. If you can cover it within 7 to 10 days after that check has been cashed, you're going to be fine. Because now the bank's on your side. The bank is... uh, I don't want to say... Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Certain terms I don't want to put in, but It's your servant. The bank is now your servant instead of you being the servant to the bank. If that makes sense. It it kind of does. I'm starting to do more uh, research into things like uh, I'm going to be trying to open up an ecclesiastical account and stuff and like just learning about like, you know, financial administration act. And so this like any of this finances stuff, it's it's good to know and to look into because I'm starting uh, to really go that route. Okay, the ecclesiastical account, that's stuff from uh, Edward J. Bondservant, whatever, right? Yeah. All right. Um, and I know him. He's a great guy. But that was Wonderful. done That was done pre-9-11. Mm-hmm. All right. So the rules have changed. Mm. And I would recommend, well, in the United States, it's 31 CFR. But I, I would recommend looking into the banking laws, like for Canada or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, that, yeah, that stuff really doesn't work anymore here. No. But I mean, he opened it in BC, so I don't, I don't know how that well, would work or if that would work down there using that same tactic. But like you said, you probably, it, it probably wouldn't work down there anymore. Well, British Columbia, and I don't know if you remember or not, or Canada, you may not remember, but they adopted the um, Patriot Act or parts of it and created their own. I think it might have been you that asked me about it a few months ago, and I sent you Canada's version of the Patriot Act. Probably was. I'll have to look at it again. I look at things and then it just like slips in my mind. And I've only only got so much room in there when I've got kids. I found I was yeah. able to have like a lock and key mind before I had kids. Now it's like I worry more about whether how much the banana is squished that my child is gonna cry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my children right now are a few cats and a couple dogs around me. And they're much easier to take care of. As long as yeah. the bowls, as long as I keep the bowls full, they're fine. <laughs> I'll have to start looking into that stuff. 
I know, like, the biggest thing he says before you start any of that stuff, you have to, like, specifically ask them if they're going to discriminate against you according to your beliefs. So, that's, uh, you know, and then you go on to describe your beliefs and with proof and stuff, and if they discriminate you against you, then obviously that's something else you have to deal with, but. <clears throat> okay. Uh, you're absolutely correct there, and that's actually what was being addressed in the first line or two of the First Amendment, which, yeah, that's for the United States. But what I recommend to everybody, and I've said this for a long time, and now the past year or so, people are using it, and they're going, oh, my God, this stuff works. And that is that you use international law. Get away from the, the statutes and codes of United States. Get away from the statutes and codes or whatever of Canada or whatever country. Um, if they're a member of the UN, start using UN stuff because these these countries have placed themselves under the UN and they're operating under international law. One hundred percent. And that is the stuff that will work. I, you know, it doesn't matter if it comes right down to trying to get your child back, get your property back. Use the Convention on the Rights of the Child. Everybody is going to court and they're fighting over parental rights. Don't be fighting over parental rights. You're fighting over the wrong argument. You need to be fighting for the rights of the child, period. That's all that matters. And they always pit the, the man against the woman and stuff and, and give the child to the woman. That way it keeps the man fighting. Well, who's bringing in the most money in the family? Generally, it's the man. That means the courts are going to make more money doing it in that manner. Because the man is going to keep coming back. He's going to keep petitioning. Where women financially probably wouldn't be able to do that, so the courts wouldn't make so much. And besides, it's the woman that brought that vessel into harbor. I know, Sam, you're looking at the comments. I'm looking at the board. It always surprised me. Nobody threw their hand up. Um, it's fine. So I'm going to look at the chat. Yeah, somebody mentioned Gaddafi. Why? That is why Gaddafi was killed. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Do people know the regime that Gaddafi was operating at the time and what things were like in his country. I mean, uh, sure, they all fought against uh, different sects, S-E-C-T-S, but uh, for the general part, in in Gaddafi's world, (laughs) when you live there, say, for instance, you all go to college, and 
they couldn't teach you what you needed to know there in Libya. They would pay for you to go to college in another country. They would make sure you had a home. They would take care of you. What really happened with Gaddafi was he wanted to get he wanted to stay away from the International Monetary Fund, the IMF and the Federal Reserve, and start doing his own money. That was his demise. And I recommend to anybody, go, go research what was going on in Libya. Go, go research what Gaddafi was really doing. Because he was doing what we would all love to be seeing done. Um, if Trump was our real leader, he would be doing what Gaddafi had done. All right. I think it's probably about time to end this call. We're going on, oh, knocking on the door three hours here. So... If anybody wanted to bring something up, this would be a good time. Otherwise, I'll end the recording. And that way, Sam will have it so she can edit it and transfer it to her call on Wednesday night, which is Against the Grain. At what time? Uh, Sam, are you still with us? You bet. Against the Grain, Wednesday evenings, uh, 4.30, PST, 7.30, EST. This specific episode will be aired on February 14th, my birthday, so it'll be quite exciting. Hopefully, hopefully, maybe one of these days I can have Brian on live call on on my show. That would be good. Just saying, Brian, you should come on my show, live show, one of these days. Like a year down the line or something. Just saying, I think people would really love you over there. They love you to pieces here. Well, all right. Somebody just sent me a message about something they wanted me to talk about. So I'll hit on it quickly before we end the call. And I would love to. Unfortunately, Wednesday, since it's like an off weekday, is a big day at my workplace. They give away a whole bunch of money. Uh, they give away a whole bunch of uh, IOUs, <laughs> which is hilarious, and people flock for those things. But anyway, <clears throat> if I ever could, I definitely will, and you'd be the first to know if I'm available. But anyway, somebody was asking me to talk about PMAs, and maybe I... So I brought this up uh, during the call that you're going to have on your show, but we can do this in the future. PMA. A PMA is a private membership association. And people need to realize that these associations are what is running the world. Um, If you go and uh, read stuff from Quigley, Uh, Quigley talked about it. He talked about rings within rings. Well, these PMAs are rings within rings. Uh, If you look at the prosecutors for the court, uh, people can go just Google this or use your favorite search me engine because they search you while they're searching them. Um, 
there is the prosecutor's association. There's the judge's association. Uh, by the way, the judge's association goes all the way back to Italy. And it's where they founded it. Uh, you can look at the clerk of courts association. And you know what? These are no different than your HOA, your homeowners association. And the Supreme Court of the United States has ruled that it is totally okay for you to join a private membership association, a PMA, and give up all of your rights to follow the rules and obligations of that PMA. And that's also what the DMV is. It's a PMA. So I hope that was enough. But we can talk about that maybe on your next call, Sam. You bet. Um, That would be super fun. Yep. All right, guys. We'll end this call tonight. And I'll see you all next week at the Matrix Discussion Group. That's the sovereignty. Yay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sam. Good night, guys. Have fun. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.